This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. What if instead of treating mental illness with prescriptions and medication, we changed what we eat and how we feed our brains. Valeria Tellez interviews Bonnie J. Kaplan, the author of The Better Brain, Overcome Anxiety, Combat Depression, and Reduce ADHD and Stress with Nutrition. Currently Professor Emerita in the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Originally from Ohio, she did all her training in the U.S. and then moved to Canada and the University of Calgary. She has published widely on the biological basis of developmental disorders and mental health, particularly the contribution of nutrition to brain development and brain function. Her efforts to include nutrition knowledge in the care of people with mental health challenges has earned her a variety of awards, including the Dr. Rogers Prize, www.drrogersprize.org in September 2019, Citation of Honor, having been nominated for Calgary's 7 Over 70 Award, September 2019, and in 2017, she was selected as one of 150 Canadian Difference Makers in Mental Health in honor of Canada's 150th birthday. Her book, The Better Brain, Written with her former student, Professor Julie Rockledge, University of Canterbury, Christchurch, New Zealand, is being released by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in April 2021. Meet Bonnie at bonniejkaplan.com. Here is the interview with Bonnie J. Kaplan. In your own words, who is Bonnie J. Kaplan? Oh, my. Well, I have to put a context to this, Valeria, mm-hmm. of course. And in this context, I'm someone who is very concerned about the relationship between nutrition and brain health. I'm uh, a semi-retired scientist, clinical scientist. Uh, so I've been an academic all my life. In the last 20 years, 25 years of my career, I studied nutrition in relationship to brain development and and brain function. So that's who I am now. Let me ask you a quick question about purpose. What do you think the purpose of life is, Bonnie? The purpose of the human experience? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> um, I think that we give meaning to our, our lives by trying to repair the world. Um, and that is, I think my career has been very involved in trying to make a better world, but that is a human imposed, um, expectation. Other than that, uh, in the very broadest theological sense, I have no idea. From your perspective, what is to be mentally healthy? 
You know, that's such an important question, Valeria. I'm so glad you're asking me this because we think in um, boxes, we dichotomize things. We say something is this or that. And when it comes to brain function and mental function, it's not this or that. But a person who is feeling self-actualized in control of their lives and their emotion regulation um, is probably a pretty healthy person when it comes to mental function. But it's on a continuum. And during very stressful times, uh, even those of us who are feeling the most in control of our self-regulation may may feel less in control. I'll be asking you questions about that. How can we come to that understanding? What can we do about our mental health? It's, It's interesting that you're connected to emotional health. So mental, emotional, psychological, emotional, which it's to me one in a way, isn't it, Bonnie? Mental and emotional health, are they interconnected or they are one and the same from your perspective? I guess I cannot um, conclude that they're one and the same because people might say, well, what about cognitive function? That's not part of emotional function. Um, But they're certainly intertwined. And we know that a person who is, for example, experiencing great emotional distress and anxiety is not able to think clearly. That's a perfect example. And what is healing to you? What is your understanding of that word? Well, I, because of my interest in nutrition, of course, what I think about most of all is a term that the orthomolecular physicians use, which is the term orthomolecular, meaning that we can heal our own bodies um, by using things and doing things which are, um, are, are part of or should be part of our brain health and our brain function. So healing, but there are many other kinds of healing too. I have enormous respect for people who find healing periods of time uh, by meditating, by uh, exercising, stretching, uh, chanting, all of those things, or spiritual, spiritual involvement too. 2020 has been a challenging and a time of change, interesting time um, from my perspective. For you, what has changed and what insights have you gained? Well, I've sat back and watched the predictable stress and distress um, and and the predictable academics who run off to do studies saying, oh, look, there's, you know, 10 times as much anxiety as there used to be, etc. But these same people are not looking at the ways we have of improving resilience which includes nutrition, but it's not exclusive to nutrition. So it's in some ways, it's been a very frustrating time for me. I've, I've wished that our book had been published a year ago instead of now a year, you know, after a year of, of the pandemic, um, because we think that we have a lot of the uh, productive answer, useful answers in that book for, for the uh, pandemic, for, for coping with the pandemic. Yeah. And and by the way, since you asked, <laughs> that's partly how I coped with the pandemic. Pandemic, as I wrote a book, um, other people learned to cook. I don't know. Other people learned a foreign language, which I'm always doing. So, you know, we find different ways of of uh, if we have enough food and we have adequate shelter, um, we find different ways to grow and adapt to unusual periods of time. 
I'll be asking you questions about your book in a moment. Before that, let me see. I have two more questions for you. The warm-up questions, Bonnie. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? I think that um, freedom is an enormous luxury of people who have enough food and a roof over their heads. Um, but it is a very important part of of what optimizes the human condition. Freedom is the ability to make some decisions, maybe not all, but some decisions for yourself that will influence your life and your family's life. Um, and that's uh, something that you can think about once you have adequate food and shelter. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? Well, you know, I'm going to say that my lens is a little bit distorted, but um, I think resilience. Uh, that's what's been going down, down, down in recent decades, that people are not able to cope. I mean, I look at my ancestors who struggled through world wars, one and two, uh, the Depression, um, and many other problems like that. And I think many of them bounced back better than our populations are bouncing back now. So you wrote the book, The Better Brain, Overcome Anxiety, Combat Depression, and Reduce ADHD and Stress with Nutrition. So two initial questions. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book? Hmm. Well, the first question, Valeria, is really easy. If you're an academic scientist, you spend an unbelievable amount of time writing. You're always writing grant applications. You're always writing articles for publication, etc. So much to my surprise, I had to be a writer in my career. This book, like a lot of others, um, was born of partially a frustration. Um, we have watched the resilience of our society go down, the nutrient uh, density of our food go down, the nutrient intake of our public go down. We've simultaneously, I'm using we to refer to my co-author and myself, Julia Rutledge. We've watched at the same time, the press so keen to publish articles on every new discovery or announcement of a drug, but uh, randomized controlled trials of various nutrient um, interventions resulting in improved mental health, um, they have no interest in. And so the public is unaware that there is now a vast, vast literature showing that poor nutrient intake predicts the risk for mental illness and that various things involving nutrient treatment um, can be used to treat mental challenges and mental disorders. That has been my personal experience, actually. That's what I do when I feel anxious or stressed. I take vitamin C and that always makes me feel better, like immediately. My diet is really good. But then when it comes to supplements, when it comes to, yeah, anything that has to do with um, stress, yeah, I go for those natural ways of supplements, complex B which you actually talk about it too. In the article you sent me, it mentions that complex B vitamins. How do we know when we need conventional 
medicine when it comes to uh, mental health or emotional health, stress, depression, anxiety? Hmm. Well, I would say when all else has failed, um, I think of medication as supplementary treatment. I think of nutrition, exercise, all the lifestyle things as the primary treatments. That's why, just as an aside, I have a lot of trouble referring to uh, good scientifically supported mineral vitamin formulas as being supplements. They should be seen as the primary treatment. Yeah. So that's, I mean, medication has its place. I hope no one ever uh, thinks that I'm saying there is no place for psychiatric medication. That would be ridiculous. Um, but it should be the final step. In fact, in our book, we talk about our vision for the future. Uh, and in terms of nutrition, it's a three-step thing. Number one is to get rid of the um, the processed chemicals, we call it ultra-processed, quote, food, out of your diet and improve your diet. Number two, take nutrients in pill form if needed. And then, uh, and of course, all the other psychosocial and exercise interventions and so forth, lifestyle components. And only then, if there is still um, distress, uh, there might be a place for medication to be used as a supplement. The article you sent me said there are two causes of inadequate brain supply of nutrients. Second one you mentioned, uh, that is the uh, processed foods. The first one is you mentioned was our food supply is currently suffering from poor nutrient content because of massive applications of herbicides. Yeah, what can we do about it? So I don't have a perfect solution for this, except that I'm delighted to try to raise awareness of it, because we all know that the way to change things in the world is, first of all, to raise awareness and education. So um, somebody said to me recently, well, if you tell people that the food that they're eating doesn't have the nutrients that they think it has, then they might stop trying to eat better. And I that is not the message. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> we have to try to eat as well as we can, but we also have to support our food producers to buck the trend of being dependent upon um, pesticides and herbicides, which uh, destroy the microbiome of the earth. Did you know that our earth has a microbiome, not just our brain, our guts? And there's a microbiome in the earth, which is responsible for keeping our plants healthy. Um, in the book, we explain why that's important. And I'd like to throw one little thing out here um, because I have found people do not know this simple fact of where our minerals and vitamins come from. And it, the minerals are in the soil and plants need about 15 or 16 of them. Okay. Obviously, they need sunlight and water too. Okay. But the minerals are mostly in the soil and they then, clever little creatures that our plants are on this planet, they are able to produce vitamins, and they produce about 15 of those. And then we come along and we eat the plants, or we eat the animals that eat the plants, and then we get approximately 30 vitamins and minerals. Plants are smarter than we are, Valeria. We right. cannot, we cannot <laughs> produce those all those vitamins. Our gut yeah. microbiome can produce a little bit of some of the B vitamins, but we cannot produce the vitamins that our brains need. Plants do that. But what if the minerals are not in the soil? 
then that whole dependency, that whole chain is interrupted. The plants, they might still grow. If they're getting a few key nutrients, they'll still grow good, grow well, and look good. But they might not have as much nutrient density as we want them to. And so there are a lot of people in agriculture who are very concerned about this, who are trying to improve um, the nutrient density of the soil by remineralizing. Um, these people also uh, have to try to get away from the um, pesticides and herbicides that lock up the nutrients and prevent them from being absorbed. And by the way, we all have to be concerned about climate change because as we have more carbon dioxide in the air, we actually end up with fewer nutrients in the plants. And that's a, another longer story, perhaps, that we won't go into here. But we need to be concerned about our food supply. Yeah. Wow. Um, what is your best advice on that, Bonnie? Eat organic foods? That's what we do here in our house. Well, my, my best advice is to eat a Mediterranean-style diet because by eating a wide variety of plant-based foods and healthy meats and fish, you are going to maximize your nutrient intake. To the extent that you can afford some organic food, that's great. But you have to understand that organic is not synonymous with nutrient density. We as consumers can look at an apple, and if it says it's organic, then we know we're not going to be consuming uh, glyphosate and some of these other chemicals, and that's great, but we don't know how much calcium is in that apple, how much of all the other uh, B vitamins and, and so forth are in that apple. We have no way of measuring the nutrient density, and there is a difference between nutrient density and organic. I heard that before. I'm very much aware of that, and that's why I take supplements. I usually take a multivitamin. Would you recommend that too, Bonnie, to take multivitamins? Vitamins in general, I take that. Uh, I take omega-3, vitamin C, the B-complex, zinc. I mean, lots of them. So um, what do I recommend? First of all, I recommend improving your diet. Everybody can have a better diet than we do, okay? Um, and then if you are not trying to fix a mental health problem. I, I never use the word cure, Valeria. So let's just yeah, say fix yeah. a mental health problem. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling very well, mentally clear, mentally focused, not anxious, depressed, etc., then taking a variety of things such as you described is just fine. And by the way, everybody probably needs to be on some omega-3s unless they're eating fish a couple times a week. But um, the minerals and vitamins, which is more my area of expertise than uh, the omega-3s, we know that the amount that you're getting in those over-the-counter uh, formulas are generally extraordinarily tiny, really, really tiny. And there's uh, one study that Julia Rutledge, my co-author, published on this very thing, comparing the amount of, I think they only looked at B vitamins, but it's true across the board, of every single formula that they could find on the shelf and compared them to the formulas that have been studied in like, oh, I don't know, 45 or so studies showing the use of um, multivitamin uh, and mineral formulas for the treatment in people who do have 
a mental health problem. So uh, let me back up and, and summarize that. What I'm saying is there's nothing wrong with taking these over-the-counter things. Um, but if you are, you know, especially if you're in the non-clinical uh, population, right? Um, but if you are struggling with a mental challenge, you should be looking at one of the formulas that has been studied by independent scientists. I remember a scientist from Canada, Hofter, his name, I'm not Hoffer. sure. Hofter, Abram Hoffer. Yeah. Yes, I remember him years back. I was researching his work and I was fascinated by what he had done. Talk to me for a moment about him, Bonnie. Sure. He was a wonderful man. He passed away a few years ago in his 90s. And he was, um, he worked in Saskatchewan first, and then he moved out to the West Coast in British Columbia. And he was particularly interested in one of the B vitamins. And I'm not even going to say which one, because I don't want people to think there is a magic ingredient out there. And that's where Abram and I kind of differed respectfully of each other. Um, and he was very interested in our research showing that we could uh, do more for improving mental health uh, if we used a broad spectrum of all the minerals and vitamins, then you could do uh, trying to manipulate just one at a time. But but he, in his era, I mean, he was a pioneer. And when you're a pioneer uh, in something, you know, if you push forward, you, you are attacked terribly. And he was attacked terribly. He was kicked out of his professional organization for nothing wrong, just doing work on B vitamins and mental health. And the American Psychiatric Association thought that was a terrible thing to do, to study that. So, and he persevered as a clinician, and I know he helped many people. And uh, I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um, I did not think to bring a copy of my book into my study. Would you believe it? So, <laughs> yes, I believe it. <laughs> so happens. I'll just uh, say, they, they actually just arrived yesterday. Um, so uh, do I want to add anything? Um, yes, I, I would like to say something about what is unique about our book. Uh, there's, I'm sure that many of your listeners are aware that there is an increasing number of books coming out on nutrition and health, and some of them even about nutrition and mental health. So, you know, blah, 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 why write another one? But there are a couple of really key things in our book that I think you will, as of right now in 2021, not find anywhere else in which I think are they're just such important things. I have found over the years, because I give lots and lots of public talks, I have found that people have no clue why eating better improves their brain function. And the reason they have no clue is that we do not teach people, and they should be taught in elementary school, we do not teach them in regular school or in medical school about what nutrients do in the brain. And the fact is that your entire brain metabolism is dependent upon enzymatic activity. And all of that enzymatic activity 
is dependent on minerals and vitamins. And so in our book, we explain that. And what I've been told by people who listen to me talk for like an hour, an hour and a half in lectures, they'll say, you know, that's the only thing I'm going to remember, but I'm going to, which is okay, that I'm going to remember it every time I put a bite of food in my mouth, because I have to be feeding those metabolic pathways in my brain. So we explain to people the why, why nutrition is affecting our mental health. So my ending questions is, I'll ask you these two questions. If you knew you would die soon, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? I've actually thought about this, Valeria, and yeah. I don't think so. I'm one of the fortunate ones. I have a good life, yeah. even during the pandemic. Um, it's, you know, my husband and I, fortunately, I'm not alone. I, I really feel sorry for the people who live alone during this, but we enjoy each other's company. We're doing things that we want to do, and thank goodness we have the Internet because the people in previous pandemics in history were cut off, and we are not cut off. So are isolated, you know, so I don't think I would change a thing. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Oh, my. You don't give me time to prepare the answers. To this. <laughs> what do I know about life for sure? Yeah. I know that um, giving meaning to your life by helping others uh, gives meaning to your life. I said that poorly. I'll say it again. Helping others is what gives meaning to our lives. Um, and it's good for our mental health and it's good for the world. Uh, I've learned that anger and hate uh, hurt the person who is, ex who is feeling the anger and hate much more than the person who is the target. And that's something I keep in mind when I'm attacked for studying what I studied. Uh, and I feel sorry for those people who are so full of anger and hate. Yeah. That's two. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. is going on about life? I think the world is a wonderful place, and I hope we can solve the climate change problem because the extinction of our insects and all of our animals and is going to collapse our agriculture, and we're going to be in very bad shape unless we get a handle on it. Yes, that's a beautiful vision, yeah, if we can do that. Thank you so much again, Bonnie, for your beautiful presence, your courage, the work, the compassionate work that you are involved and everything else in between that can be felt. I love your kindness, too. Well, thank you. Thanks for the time. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services and future projects? So I have a website, bonniejkaplan.com, which uh, has a bunch of videos and other resources, tips for clinicians, and also, of course, links to how to buy my book. Why wouldn't I have that there? So oh, yes. in a way, that's one-stop shopping if people um, monitor that. I'm also on you know, on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and sort of on Instagram, <laughs> not much. But, um, so people can connect with me in many ways. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you. Bye for now. Nice Bye. meeting. Bye. Nice you too. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Bonnie J. Kaplan and her work, please visit BonnieJKaplan.com. 
To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.